Well, we started the book of Philemon last Wednesday night. We had an introductory and we talked about the first seven verses. And what we have here, to mention just three people as we get started, you have the Apostle Paul, who is the writer uh of the letter to Philemon, and then you have Philemon, who is a member of the church at Colossae. The church uh, services take place in his house, and Philemon was a keeper of a big estate. He had a big estate, and he had a servant named Onesimus. So we have Paul the writer, and, and Philemon who is written to, and then we have Onesimus who is who was a servant to Philemon. He took care of his whole estate. He took care of everything uh, to do with the business that he had. And Philemon just abandoned his master. And the most severe penalty for that could have been death. He, When he abandons Philemon, though, he comes across the Apostle Paul. And Paul witnesses the gospel of Jesus Christ to him. So this unsaved lost servant goes to being saved. And Paul, we're going to see tonight that Paul is sending this servant back to Philemon, but not before a letter gets there to Philemon, writing about all that has transpired. And we're going to share that tonight. But what we mostly saw last week was Paul writing to Philemon of his Christian character. He had sacrificial love for the people of God. He had a goodness and a kindness that was contagious and it spread throughout the church. The church was known for their sacrificial love for others. And that's the character Philemon had. And Paul is trusting and believing and making note of that love that he has. And now it's going to be a, 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 a test for Philemon as Onesimus is coming back. We shared seven verses and Paul has not gotten to the point yet of why he's writing the letter. And of course, Philemon doesn't know that Paul came across Onesimus. So if you, if you gathered that and you're with me on that, let's go ahead and share verses 8 through 12 tonight. I'll go ahead and read them as we get started. He writes, Wherefore... Though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient, yet for love's sake I rather beseech thee, being such a one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in times past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me, whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him, that is, mine own bowels. So now that Paul has praised Philemon for this character that he has and love toward all Christians, this very affecting characteristic that he has, this has 
this character of this Christian Philemon, this brother in Christ, it has filled Paul with joy. Just who he is fills Timothy with joy and all the saints that are with Paul. And he's writing this to him. I mean, they are refreshed by Philemon's character as a child of God. And and Paul is really hoping to see that same character in response to what his servant has done to him. He has abandoned him. He has left him in a crisis. There were all kinds of problems for him and his family. It even spread to the church because the church met in his house. So Paul has a plea that he is making to Philemon. A two-part plea we'll see in verses 8 and 9. And the first one is a reminder of a command. Paul says, Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient. Paul was chosen by God to be an apostle. Now, an apostle could act in behalf of God in the, in that type of authority in certain cases and at certain times. They, he was empowered to act in behalf of God and so, and, and upon God's commands. And so since the Bible says forgive others, and the Bible uh, says many things about not getting revenge, do not render evil for evil, since Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the peacemakers, He could give a command to Philemon and his authority as an apostle to accept Onesimus and to forgive him. He could do that and you deal with different people in different ways. If Paul were needing to tell the church at Corinth to forgive someone in the condition they were in in that first letter that Paul wrote to them, he would probably give the direct command to forgive, to restore this person. But he is dealing with a seasoned Christian, seasoned in the agape love of God. He know, he has experiential uh, knowledge in God's love. He's experienced loving in such a way. So Paul could act on a command based on his authority, but he doesn't do that with Philemon. In this plea that continues in verse 9, we see that in verse 9 he had remind, he, uh, in verse 8 he gave a reminder of a command, but in verse 9 he reaches out in love. So, so where he says in eight, what he's saying right there is I could act in my authority and command it, yet for love's sake, I rather beseech thee, being such an one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. So instead of going by the law and the command that he could with authority uh, put on Philemon. Instead, he goes with love. He's overwhelmed by the love that Philemon has had in the past, and he talks to him out of a love to do it. Instead of authority, he uses age. Instead of pressure from Jesus, he presents himself as a prisoner of Jesus Christ 
to Philemon. He's reaching out to him in love. Instead of Paul turning on the heat, he is speaking to Philemon's heart about this forgiveness. And when Philemon reads there, yet for love's sake, Philemon doesn't have to wonder what Paul's talking about. Philemon knows exactly what Paul's talking about. He's talking about that agape love, the sacrificial love of God. He's talking about a love that Paul and he have mutually shared one to another. They have practiced that love. They both received that same love when they trusted in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They have this in common. And so when he says... Remember, Philemon doesn't even know what this is about yet, but he knows something's coming. And when he says, yet for love's sake, he's talking about the exercising of what he's already seen in Philemon's life. He doesn't have to look up that word. Uh, it's, it's a love that's been known and practiced and shared in Christ by them both. Paul is spiritually in a position above Philemon as an apostle to Philemon being a member of the church at Corinth, okay? But Paul is not trying to put any demands or any commands upon him. He's not trying to use any higher position to him whatsoever. He is reaching out to him in love. He is not using any authority at all. And don't you know that that has to really be speaking to Philemon? Because he was the master... And Onesimus was the servant, and by law, he could possibly go to the extent of having him killed, having him punished very severely for what he's done. But Paul is not acting in any kind of law and any kind of authority whatsoever. That has to be speaking to Philemon's heart even, even before he sees what's coming and what's going on. Paul is not acting in a way that he's going to desire Philemon not to act in. And this, so this should be a great influence on Philemon not acting in his higher position over um, over Onesimus. You know, he could get spiritually legal with him, but he's going to go the love route. He's going to reach out to Philemon in love. So he gives a reminder of a command, but he reaches out in love. And we go from that twofold plea from Paul to now the occasion of Onesimus. We get to verse 10, and this is the first mention of what the heart of this letter is all about here, and that is forgiving Onesimus. He says, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. Paul finally mentions his name. And he's not talking to the Lord here. He's talking to a, a saved sinner. He's talking to a saved man. And when that name is mentioned and he sees that Paul has had him within his grasp, I'm sure the temperature rises just a little bit for Philemon. Even though the, the Holy Spirit has been doing a work through what's been written so far, now when he gets to Onesimus, I'm sure the blood boils for, for just a minute that Paul mentions this. But as he mentions this, he also mentions immediately that there is a new creature here 
in this Onesimus. He is a, he is, has a new relationship. And that relationship is with Jesus Christ, which means that changes his relationship with everybody. Man, when you trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that changes everything in life. That makes all the difference in the world and everything. When I hear that someone has passed away, that's the first thing that, I, that I'll wait for to hear is whether they believed in Jesus or not, because that changes the whole situation. Onesimus, his whole whole life has been changed just like that. He is not who he used to be. Paul says that whom I have begotten in my bonds. Now, Paul is not saying here that he has taken Onesimus under his wing. He has, but that's not what he's saying by that word begotten. Do you see that there? It doesn't mean that he's just, he's taking him in and he's training him and helping him. That word begotten, it means to be born. It means to regenerate. He's been regenerated as a new creature with all of his sins forgiven. Paul witnessed the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to and he was saved. There he was, a servant to Philemon, and probably expected to attend services there in the church, and he was attending there a lost man. Philemon thinks of Onesimus and thinks of him as a lost man that abandoned him and messed him all up. The whole church is probably thinking the same way about him. They probably knew he wasn't saved, and, and so they are look, they are thinking of him in this certain way the whole time he's been gone. But Paul says he is is begotten now. He is saved. He accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. He's had his sins forgiven. He's born of the Spirit of God. And he is different. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And this is true for Onesimus. I mean, he started hanging out with the Apostle Paul. He didn't do it because he felt like he had to. He wanted to. And all of a sudden, this runaway fugitive servant and this Apostle, they became close brothers in Christ. They shared the same faith. And he was a great help to Paul. He was an encouragement to Paul. Paul hated the thought of sending him back to Philemon just because he he loved what was going on there. And he was a blessed brother in the Lord. I tell you what, when some someone gets saved and you see their life change, man, that, that's, that's next after your salvation. That's the most encouraging thing you want to see is someone else that is changed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was. And Paul says of him in verse 11, which in time past was to the unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me. Onesimus being unprofitable, it doesn't mean he wasn't a good servant when he was there before. I believe he was. I believe he took care of everything. And it came falling down hard on Philemon. So, so when he says unprofitable, it doesn't mean he wasn't a good servant before. It just means that he's unprofitable to Philemon now. Philemon, as he fled, Philemon didn't want him back. 
He didn't, he doesn't know he's saved. So Philemon doesn't want him back. He's not going to use him again. I doubt if he came and begged for his job back in the condition he was in that Philemon was going to take him. He didn't want him anymore. So he was unprofitable. He was unprofitable to Philemon. But Paul says, now he's profitable to you and to me. Wow. You know that name Onesimus? You know what it means? It means profitable. And he wasn't able to fulfill that before, but now that he has trusted in Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, he can fulfill that, and he has been fulfilling that with Paul. He is very profitable to Paul. He is uplifting and encouraging to Paul. He is very profitable to him, and and Paul says he's profitable to you too. You know, and he says that knowing, knowing that love of God that will be stirring in Philemon, because, because he's a brother in Christ now. He's not a run, he's not the same person that was that runaway servant. He's a new man now. He's a new man in Christ. And so he is profitable. He can live up to his name truly now. And he's living up to it with Paul. He's highly useful to Paul as he's helped Paul there as he's in prison. And, and, and it's like he's saying, you don't know it yet, Philemon. But this man, this same man is very profitable to you. Go ahead and look in verse 12 with me though now. He says, Whom I have sinned again, thou therefore receive him, that is mine own bowels. So he not only brings up Philemon, I mean Onesimus, and he not only tells him that he's saved, now he tells him that he's on his way. He is, he is doing the right thing. He wants to keep Onesimus there, but he's sending him back to face the situation like a man, as he should. He's doing the right thing. Paul made sure the letter got there before Onesimus did, though, to try to prepare his heart and to help him. And he has now sent him back. And Paul is asking him, and, and just saying, because of who you are and the character you have as a Christian, receive him with kindness. Receive him as you would receive me, Paul says. Paul is really, he sticks his neck out there for this new brother in Christ. Because it, the way Paul feels about it and what Paul's doing, he's sending a piece of his very own heart Back to Philemon by sending Onesimus. What a beautiful bond people make in Christ. Mutual believers together in Christ. It's a wonderful thing. In this season of Paul's life, the very seat of his feelings and emotions and all the prayers and all the cares that Paul has going on for all the churches and in everything he does, this is so important to Paul. What the main thing he has on his mind is his dear brother Philemon back over at the church and his new dear brother Onesimus and they're going to meet together and it means everything to Paul that it go well. So Paul is sticking his neck out there. He's saying receive him as you would me. I want you to think about how fulfilling a relationship like that is. I, I, I lived a lost life 
for quite a long time. And, you know, and, and I worked with a lot of lost people and I and I kind of hung around with them. I, there just was nobody else around at the time, I guess, for for some years. And all my high school friends had grown up and gone. And and so I just I just kind of dwelt with them. And, you know, I could laugh and I could you can see you can find something good about anybody. And and uh, I just hung around with them a lot. And I, I really wanted to be able to trust them. I really wanted it to be a trustworthy relationship. I really wanted a fulfilling relationship with people. And and I just couldn't do it. They they were unsaved. They 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 were lost. And 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 I really wanted to just be able to stick my neck out there for somebody. I, I mean, I had this thought in my mind as a lost man. We all we all crave what God gives. We just don't realize it when we're lost. But I really wanted to to have their back and to do for them and to have these close friendships, but I could I could just feel it. It just wasn't there. It just wasn't there. And then then all of a sudden I had this hungering to go down to the church, to go down to God's house. And uh, uh, we went down there and and I started meeting people. And I noticed that people were different than the people that I was hanging around with. And and then the Lord saved me. And he, and he put his spirit in my heart, and it's the same spirit that I found in these men and women in, in church together that I was with. And it created a bond like I had never had with other people before. And it's so fulfilling to have a relationship and to have fellowship with God's people. People that you would stick your neck out for. People that you would stand up for. People that you wouldn't believe a rumor about until you went to them. I, I, I just can't believe they would say that. I just can't believe they would do that. It's people that you, you love so much and you embrace and, and you just, you really think the best and you're able to because of that mutual faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what Paul had with Onesimus in such a short amount of time as a young Christian. And it meant everything to him that that forgiveness take place. That Philemon's heart would be touched and molded and moved by the Holy Spirit. That he would, that, that when he sees Onesimus coming back, he's seeing a new creature and he's not seeing that old man, that was a fugitive that abandoned him and caused him all of those problems. You know, to be able to testify for someone else, Paul is able to do that for him. And, you know, that will make us care for others in their time of need more than we even care about ourselves. Are you with me? Can can you say that tonight? I, I'm not talking about us bragging about something. I'm talking about what God does in our heart. That sometimes we care about other people more than we care about ourselves. But later on we're going to get to seeing, and I hate to preach ahead, but Paul's going to say, whatever he owes you, charge it to me. I'll take care of it. Receive him. Consider it's me coming back. Because my heart is going with Him. Receive Him as if it were me. How wonderful is it to be able to care for someone more than yourself. And the devastating thing though sometimes is that we care for other people more than they care about their own life. 
and their own selves. And that can be heartbreaking, but, but then again, it's just worth it all. It's the change that God makes in us. And, and after fellowship that Paul has had with Onesimus, that's the way that he feels about him and this whole situation with Philemon. Well, between the plea of Paul in sincerity and the occasion of Onesimus' salvation, the Holy Spirit is working on Philemon's heart that he might forgive. And we're not even halfway through the reasons that Paul reaches out to Philemon with. We're going to have a a lot more of them. But, you know, and I want you to think about just what we've shared so far. You know, God knows what He's dealing with in us. And God is growing us. And He's sanctifying us. And He always has more and more in store for us. And I just want you to think for just a minute about everything that God is doing for Philemon to to move him into this forgiveness. We we need help as Christians. We it's impossible for us to live the Christian life, but it's possible with God. It's possible with the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and God is giving a lot of help to Philemon so that he can forgive. And this is not only for Onesimus' sake. This is for Philemon's sake. This is for his testimony. He's known. He's known to love and forgive. And if this changes, it's going to affect a lot of people. There's no doubt that Philemon is quite a leader and quite an example, and many people are looking at him. So it, it means everything for him. That, that he would, if he doesn't forgive and he goes the legal way and he prosecutes him to the maximum extent, what's that going to do to the rest of the church? You know, it's for Philemon. The forgiveness is just as well as the blessing it's going to be upon Onesimus and how it's going to pass down to Paul, you know, to, to just white knuckle it and to hold on to this debt saying Onesimus owes me. That's, that's not going to hurt Onesimus. That's going to hurt Philemon. And that's going to hurt you and I as well. If we hold a grudge, if we hold bitterness, and we don't forgive. Forgiving, forgiving will set you free. It's a wonderful thing to learn how to do. And the way we're moved to do it is by considering our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who died to forgive us of all our sins. He Forgives it all. He canceled our complete debt. Past, present, and future. It's all gone. And you have a home in heaven. And that is forgiveness. That is God's forgiveness. And He enables you and I to be able to do the same thing. He doesn't ask us to do anything that He will not give us the ability to do. And you and I can do that. That's good for us all. I hope that everyone here has had their heart filled with God's forgiveness. You've had that moment in your life where faith hit your heart and you placed that faith God gave you in the Lord Jesus Christ and He became your Lord and Savior. If He did, He's forgiven you of all. And you know that. And He tells us to go and to do likewise. And in Him, 
we can do that. Let us pray. Lord God in heaven, as we've come to the middle of our service tonight, Lord, I just want to thank you for your word we've been able to have tonight, Lord. I I pray that you bless the rest of this service, Lord, and there's so many in need of prayer, Lord, and dear God, I thank you we can lift them up to you, Lord, and uh, and you want our request to be made known unto you, Lord, and and as we sing praises to your name, Lord, I just pray you bless and you lift up hearts and you, you comfort and you, you speak to hearts as only you can tonight. We love you tonight, Lord, and we thank you for loving us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.